Hello and welcome to Randy in Real Life. Today's episode is called Identity Crisis. I feel really strongly about the content that I'm about to share, and I can't take credit for the title. I'm horrible at coming up with titles, usually. Today, I was on a phone call with a precious man of God named Pastor Glenn Rogers. He actually called me today around 5.30, and every four or five weeks, I get a phone call from Pastor Glenn. Now, this man of God planted a church decades ago in Mansfield, Louisiana, called Living Word Church. A few years ago, he actually turned it over to Pastor Paul Floyd, who's another very close friend of mine. And Pastor Glenn is just one of the most unique men I've ever met in my life. He is just so full of the Spirit of Christ. I've never met anyone as encouraging and as loving as this man. When you are in a conversation with him, no one else exists. It's just you and him. If you're actually standing with him and he's talking with you, there could be bombs going off all around you, and he will be unfazed, looking right into your eyes, and no one else exists but you. And you could tell he just treasures people. He is a, an exceptional pastor. So when I saw that phone call coming in today and I saw Pastor Glenn's name, I was all excited. And I knew I'm about to get encouraged and go find a chair because he is never in a hurry. And I love that. So he's talking with me and and he will just pry, well, man, what, what do you feel like the Lord's saying? Or what what's on your heart right now? And you know, you'll give a real simple answer, and he's like, oh, could you talk about it a little bit more? Hey, can you elaborate? Oh, what did you mean by that? Go a little further. I love this. And so he just has a gift to just pull stuff out of you. So I started sharing some of my concerns, my burdens concerning our country, the body of Christ at large, and even talking about how easy it is to be misunderstood. And he said this, he said, it's almost like there's an identity crisis, and I said, Pastor Glenn, I have been trying to upload an episode for over a week. Listen, I'm not even kidding, everyone. I have sat down and recorded this episode at least 25, maybe 30 times. Sometimes I got 30 minutes in and was wrapping up. And then I said, nah, and I just ended it and hit delete. It just didn't feel right. But after I having that conversation with him, and when he said identity crisis, I said, that's it. And I told him I was going to give him credit. He told me I didn't have to, but I said, no, no, it's the preacher thing to do. You always give credit to some to, the, to another person where you heard it from at least the first time. Then you can act like you came up with it all by yourself. But anyway, what do I mean by identity crisis? What I mean is one tragedy I feel like we have today in our country is that there are a lot of people who profess to be Christians, but they don't really know who they are. And that's dangerous today in the United States of America, where everyone is getting what we call woke. And look, I just I just can't stand these terms. So that's why a lot of times I'll make fun of them. Woke, virtue signaling, a whole bunch of really weird terms that are just, they're not normative in the English language. And they've just become popular and, and have been given a lot of attention, especially during the pandemic, you know. So, but there's an identity crisis that... There's too many people that do not know who they are in Christ. They don't understand some things. And if you're not careful, you can be a child of God or call yourself a Christian and you will get sucked into the cesspool of a of a, um, a culture of blame. 
And it's like everyone's trying to assign blame to people. You either have people yelling and telling everybody you're guilty because either you're uh, you're white or you're black, or you've got some kind of special privilege because you have a certain level level of pigment in your skin. So then you have other people that are trying to apologize for things that they think maybe that one of their great 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 ancestors did. And so we're living in this in in this culture of absolute insanity. And it's easy to do that in the United States of America because we're not very old. But if you go to Africa, if you go to the Middle East, if you go to Europe, go to the UK, where there are countries that are like 10 times as old as the United States and ask them to start taking responsibility and apologizing for something that someone did far, 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 far back. Because we, since the beginning of humanity, when God created mankind, Things just went nuts. As a matter of fact, I feel led to um, go to Genesis chapter 6. wasn't planning to do this, but check this out. In Genesis chapter 6, this is what God himself had to say. In Genesis 6, it says, let's find it here. Verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And listen to this. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Another time we'll kind of break that down because we have, we do not have a healthy understanding of God's holiness and the exceedingness, the, the uh, you know the wickedness of sin and evil, and how it affects God and how it invokes judgment. So that's that's for another time. But we're living in this insane culture today, where you have people that are trying to figure out how to take responsibility, or they get pulled and they begin to get angry and they begin to get political. People who have never really been political are finding themselves political, and then you have a bunch of people that are doing what they call the virtue signal thing where they jump on and they're just trying to, you know, um, you know, let people know that they're in solidarity to something that they don't even understand that the people, there's just a whole lot of manipulation and deception. There is a spirit of deception that is enveloping this land in multiple generations right now. Now it hasn't helped that in an abundance of churches, and I've shared this with pastor Glenn today, an abundance of churches all across this land, we there's been a such a subtle shift where rather than preaching the word of God or open up the scriptures and declaring the scriptures, we've moved into this idea that the most important thing we can do is to help people in their felt needs. And the secret behind that is that we know that if you really can do a series that's designed to encourage a person in their what we call felt needs, it's kind of sounds super spiritual, but it's more humanistic. Then the idea is that we get more people to come to our church, more butts in the seats. And so we've kind of put down the word of God and we we rather choose topics that are exciting or that are catchy, maybe add a verse or two, take it out of context, butcher it, as long as it kind of supports the theme of our sermon. And the, the saddest state is that we have filled up buildings all across the United States of America. There are more people who belong to churches. There are more mega churches and giga churches than in any other time in American history. And yet our culture 
is falling so fast that I don't see how it can be stopped. And one problem is that as large as our churches are, as, as you know, cool as they are, we have a church body in America that does not know the word of God, has not been taught the word of God, does not read the word of God, does not share the word of God. So we are very biblically illiterate. And I feel like it's, it's possibly even a judgment on our country. Listen to this verse of scripture from Amos. Uh, this is verses 11 and 12. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. This is so sad. God is saying he is going to send a famine on the land, and the famine is an inability to hear the words of the Lord. People will bounce around from church to church and, you know, from this ministry to that ministry, and they're going to just hear the same thing. They're not going to be able to find the word of the Lord. And it's, it's, we have to go so back to the basics and the beginnings and the foundations of Christianity. And I'm going to tell you this, that, you know, it'd be revolutionary and radical is if in our churches, we begin to preach the very basics of the word of God. I think it would be so explosive. Pastors, stop stealing your friend's messages. Stop preaching everybody's messages. Go back to the prayer closet, dust off your Bible and start reading your Bible. And hey, that really cool message that's been preached by 50 other preachers around the world, stop preaching it. Preach your own message. What is God saying to you about your people? What is God saying to you about the culture where he has placed you? And um, you know, and what, what are your people walking through? What is the word from heaven that's going to affect change in their life? All right, let me bring it back down now. Listen to me. Don't tune me out. Listen real quick. Uh, let me share. <laughs> listen real quick. You have to listen quick because I'm talking quick. That means because I'm getting excited. This world is telling you, there's an identity crisis here, right? The world is telling you that, that and there's, it's like they're creating a war and they're not satisfied. And, you know, new, the only news that sells is bad news. That's it. Bad news. So that's why the news and on YouTube, they're going to be propagating and, and social media, the riots that are happening all over the area in Portland or, you know, in, um, uh, you know, wherever, Chicago and New York City, which are, you know, these cities are in dire straits right now, obviously. And it's just, it's horrible what's happening there. And then, so you have different social organizations that pretend to be behind, you know, you know, the black community, when the truth is that they're for transgenderism, Marxism, and they're against the nuclear family. And because we've not been taught the word of God, it's easy to get sucked into some of these different movements. And, you know, because, you know, we have this need to be a part of social justice and, and, and in our churches, it's, 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 it's not about the poor or the widow or the orphan. It's just about that hour and a half slot on Sunday. You feel good about yourself and you go home. And we know that there's more. But I'm going to tell you that a lot of these movements, they are cheap imitations. They are cheap imitations of what it really means to be a part 
of a vibrant body and a movement. All right. So let me, let me go on and say some things here. Uh, now, you know, Becky used to do this when um, a guest preacher would come in and different ministries when I was younger and when I'd hear him preaching, uh, and this is a time, listen, in my, in my twenties, even my late teenage years when I came to Christ and all throughout my twenties and I would just read through my Bible, you know, a few times a year, just over and over and over, memorizing scripture, just chewing on the word. And, and, and look, I mean, I'm 47 now, and I can't tell you how important it is to stay in the word of God. And it's amazing how through the decades, how your, your belief system gets challenged by the word of God itself. Look, atheists never challenged my belief system. Agnostics are people who are, you know, liberal uh, you know, or who into, you know, new age philosophy. I've read so many books, but I've read my, the words so much. It's the word of God itself that challenges me in what I believe and what I see. And the word itself has brought correction into my own life. And it's also been the best protection I possibly could have. And when you don't read the word of God and you don't know the word of God, you are not a very protected person. All right. So you don't even know if your pastor's preaching truth. And I'm grateful that that Pastor Paul Trokel told me when I was very young, he'd tell the whole church continuously, you better read your Bibles and find out and make sure that I'm preaching the truth to you. So anyway, so we we have an end of, we don't hear the word of God, we don't know the word of God, and so it's easy to get sucked into this thing, or again, people feeling guilty for things that they never did, uh, you know, or are trying to assign blame to people for things that, you know, <laughs> that's just unjust. But what does the word of God say about your identity? When you come to Christ, and this is so important now, I have to keep my emotions in check right here. Because the word of God has a few things that are very important, and I want you to hear this right now. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. So what this is saying here is that your condition was so bad that you were dead in your trespasses. You were dead. You were basically a rebel to God. You were dead, but God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. When I hear people calling for this racial war today and blasting people because of their color of their skin or because of something, and we are in an absolute cancel culture. We know that uh, a while back I wrote a blog post called cancel culture. One of the things I said in there was this, the world seeks to cancel you while holding on to your past, placing your shame on display for everyone to see. Jesus seeks to cancel your past while holding on to you, having already publicly shamed every demonic ruler and authority that is trying to shame you. Do you know that when you come to Christ and you're born again, and I'm not talking about praying a 12-second prayer on Sunday morning. I'm not talking about accepting Jesus. 
The Bible never teaches to accept Christ, and that's what salvation is. It's an absolute surrender. It's a turning from sin. It's calling on his name. But when you are born again and you're a child of God, do you understand the significance of what has taken place? You have been placed in Christ, and now you're identified with him in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. And so if God himself has forgiven you of all of your trespasses, then who in the world is anybody in this world, any organization, any media culprit, any demonic politician to try to bring and make you feel some kind of guilt that doesn't belong to you? Listen, Jesus had no special clause here, okay? The word of God, there's no special clause. The, the fact of the matter is that Jesus, in his death, and in and on the cross, in his sacrifice, as he was rejected by his father, as he drank the cup, and he was baptized with this baptism of death, and he took on your sin. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to become a sin offering for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus paid an, the, the most incredible price tag because you couldn't pay that price. There was nothing you could do to deal with the guilt of your own trespasses, your iniquity, and your sin. But the fact that God made you alive when you were dead and he forgave you of all your trespasses. If there is anyone who could say you are guilty and responsible, it's God. And yet, he forgives you. Forgiveness is available for all. It's available for all. Now, some theological camps don't like that. But that's just because they just read the same books over and over and over and over. But the, the, there's the free gift of salvation is available to whoever calls on his name. He is the one who canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. There's no reparations. Understand this. In Christ, there are no reparations. Okay, We don't have something that we have to pay back because it's something that's you're not even able to pay it back. He dealt with it all. There's not a greater opportunity and miracle and exchange than the exchange that's found at the cross. Now, this is going to have to be a series that I'm going to do for a while, uh, you know. So let me share this story with you. When I was 19 years old and Becky was 19, that's when I met her. She was in nursing school. And I saw her, and I'm going to tell you that, that I had a crush on her immediately. She was the sweetest person I'd ever met, just a sweetheart, just a doll, and, of course, beautiful. And so um, it took me a long time, months, to build up the courage to ta- ask her to, uh, if she would go, you know, let me take her to have dinner. So um, I just turned 20, and I took her to eat. And then, you know, rather than taking her to catch a movie, I thought, you know, I want to be a little more... Um, daring and adventurous. And so I took her to climb, uh, climb an abandoned bank in uh, Hope, Arkansas, because I'm awesome like that. So after that date, I really, really just was just feeling, you know, so much attraction towards her. And I thought, now I, I got to invite her to church. And I didn't know anything about her at all. I didn't know anything about her life. I just uh, assumed maybe she's a Christian. She's such a sweetheart. So I said, would you like to go to church with me this Wednesday night? This was on a Tuesday. And she says, I'd love to. So I lived 20 miles from Becky. And then my church was 25 miles a different direction. 
So she drove 20 miles to my house. And when she gets out, she has this beautiful dress on. And I thought, oh, no, it's a midweek service. I'm in shorts and my flip-flops. And so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so she says, oh, no. And I said, oh, don't you worry about it. A lot of, lot of people are going to be really dressed up, which is a complete lie. Nobody was dressed up. So we get to church. And we're sitting on the second row because no one sat in the front row. Again, it was the holy row. Even the pastor's wife, Miss Debbie, didn't sit on the front row. <laughs> so anyway, we're sitting there on the second row. Pastor Paul Truck was teaching the word. And I start hearing this noise. And um, so I, I, I look beside me. And it's Becky and she's crying. And I thought, oh, no, I hope everything's okay. I don't know why she's crying. So then it becomes more of a sob. So by the end of the message, she's just weeping. Pastor Paul gives an invitation, and Becky just rushes to the altar so fast. And I was like just wowed by this whole thing. She's up there for a while, and he's praying with her, and he's ministering to her. She starts coming to church with me um, all the time, Wednesdays, Sundays. A few months goes by, and Becky had um, went home and, and uh to see her parents from school and found her old King James Bible from when she was little. And Becky had not been churched and stopped going to church, I think, when she was very young. And so she calls me and says, I have a question. And she'd been crying. And I said, is everything okay? She goes, I don't know. Okay, what's wrong? She says, I've been reading my Bible. And she's pausing and she says, and I read this scripture, it's in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Have you, have you read that before? And I said, yeah, I have. I said, what does it say, Becky? She says, it says, therefore, and I'm reading in the King James because what she read it in. She says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And she says, does that mean what it says? And I said, yes, it does. She goes, well, what does that mean? I said, it means that who you are before you come to Christ doesn't exist anymore. When you've been born again, you're in Christ. You're a brand new creation. Your past is under the blood of Jesus. It's a brand new day. It's a brand new life. And she just starts crying. And, and I'll tell you that, that as we got to know each other, of course, then we got married um, You know, six months later. We got married in September. And to see the work that God has done in her life. I've never, ever met anyone who was so overwhelmed at what it meant to become a new creation. And there's, I don't know that there's a greater, more potent and relevant message right now for our country that is very fractured, that's very manipulated right now. Our country is being just devoured by people with ungodly and evil agendas. And so there are people behind it. And we know that ultimately what's behind everything, of course, is just the enemy. It's satanic in nature. It's ungodly what's happening. It's not biblical. So we're in such a unique situation. You know, I want to read you this scripture right here, and I know we all know it, but you know, we need to hear it. The Bible says, you know, um, to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And let me tell you this right now, if you're fighting against flesh and blood, you're in the wrong fight. 
Here, the Apostle Paul says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So we'll get into some more of this as we go, but there's an identity crisis I'm going to tell you right now that when you've been born again, it's a brand new day. It's a brand new life. And uh, I want to encourage you and challenge you to get in the Word of God. We're going to go on a series. I'm going to come back here. We're going to do another episode on identity. And we're just going to stay on this topic for a while because we need to hear it. And uh, so, listen, before I close, I want to share with you also something that has recently you know, happened. Some of you, of course, you've been praying for my daughter, Victoria. Please continue to lift her up. We're, I'm going to be going out of town multiple times over this month. And the last week, looks like she'll be having an operation where they're going to open her up to um, do surgical removal of this spot that's on the uh, temporal lobe of her brain on the left side. So just be in prayer. She's very courageous. She is just full of faith. The next thing I want to share with you is that I have recently done something. I think it's pretty bold and radical. I'm excited about it. Um, I launched the factory uh, a couple of months ago, and I I have just made it completely free. So I'm going to have a link in our show notes here. You can click on that link. You can go. You just sign up by putting your name and your email and free. You can access videos, teachings. There's an app, a Kajabi app that you can download. So I'm just so excited to share that information with you. Look, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please share it. Uh, Give it a review on Apple Podcasts if you would. And of course, you can listen to it on multiple platforms. Love you guys, and I'll talk to you soon.